Okay, Sam, I'm really getting quite concerned now that um, oh, no. you've got you've got like this photographic memory, like a really good recall for stuff. Oh, you do. Okay. Like it might not sure, be photographic, like, but like you have a really strong memory for recalling events and stuff. I'm kind of yeah. nervous that you're getting into this football anime so much because I think there's oh go- you're just gonna <laughs> you're just gonna overtake everything I know about football and you're actually gonna <laughs> become the the gospel on football knowledge. Blue Lock is gonna be my gateway drug into football. I and did- then I'm just gonna memorize everything. Yeah. It, like, it seems- just, go, just go completely into it like i can't half ass it i just have to go completely off the deep end yeah and become the world's biggest football fan do you it's think like, if my approach to anime do you think if your university courses were like all the useful information was threaded into anime you'd have just like come out with first and everything and like you'd be doing doctorates oh, absolutely it- if i i should have i should have been watching like psychology animes instead yeah. of battle shonen during university and they all would have just sank in that much more (laughs) this is the this is the trick i need somebody to create for me a university level show that can just teach me stuff but also (laughs) fire energy lasers like across the room (laughs) like i use electron punch because of it spinning around the center of my fist which is the proton i'm 10 times more powerful i mean that doesn't sound that bad, to be honest. That sounds quite cool. <laughs> I would watch that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very Gen Z answer that someone needs to prepare this for me so I can learn. I, I'm not going to go yeah. out and do my own work. I'm not going <laughs> to go and study. <laughs> <laughs> someone, I, Studying's too hard. Somebody needs to come up with a way to make it easier. And when they do, let me know. Uh, I'll let me here. know. <laughs> Let me know, and I probably won't use it. <laughs> Do it yourself, Sam. Go make your own anime. Go make, go take your knowledge, and then you can teach others. Share the gift. You know what? Actually, I, I've. <laughs> this is absolutely feeding into your point about <laughs> like anime getting me to do stuff. But okay. I've been watching an anime recently called Do It Yourself. <laughs> and it's like it's a DIY show, and I've started like doing more DIY projects around the flat. That is gold i cannot believe that that is so good what i i've got so many questions that we need to save for another day but that is just a, a brilliant way place to leave it i think that's great ah uh, diy okay. anime is it just like a guy going it's around putting up girls shelves? it's it's, it's, cute. it's cute, cute girls of course it is. building shelves <laughs> oh i'm dying okay <laughs> let's do a podcast. Uh, do a podcast. Yeah. Okay, let's do it in three, two, one. Hello, weebs, new and old, and welcome back to another episode of Gateway to the Anniverse, the podcast which aims to guide an anime novice through the weird, wide, and wonderful world of Japanese animation. My name is Sam, a self-proclaimed anime expert, and with me is the man who doesn't know his science from his compliance with <laughs> my absurd requests. It's our novice, Will. Wow, that was that was a, a a long walk for a small glass of water. Um, we've got Absolutely. compliance. I mean, you could have gone into DIY territory with compliance. Um, I guess I could have. Yeah. Done. I could have tried to, to link it back. But you know, I actually had another one in my head mm. that was ready to go with right. rhymes, and then as soon as I started the intro, it just vanished. It just went. It just and went. I was like I had so to. That was on I was the like, fly. Okay, I'll tell quick, you what. I give what? you credit. <laughs> I, I'll give you full credit you. there if that was on the fly. Um. Yeah, so Sam, everyone listening, 
If you haven't been here before, we talk about anime. Sam gives us a new show to watch and we talk about it and decide whether it's good enough to show a noob and novice. Um, however, this week we're doing something a little bit different because uh, I fell uh, into a Dr. Stone hole um, because I, I, for some reason, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I want to give Dr. Stone another try. I enjoyed it at the time. And I don't know. It looks fun. Um and I did. I gave it a go and I binged the whole first season. So we're here to talk about it today and to discuss our favourite bits, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. Um, for nothing. If it still holds up. I think we, we put Dr. Stone into the Anniverse initially, right? Yes. Yeah, I think we must have done. Um, I can't see mm. any reason why we wouldn't have. Those first three episodes were pretty, pretty good. Um, pretty entertaining. That's spicy. So, um, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you know what Dr. Stone is and have some experience of it. Um, However, because we're about to spoil the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, we're about to spoil everything. Full spoilers ahead for season one. We'll try not to spoil any more because behind the scenes, I've been watching more than season one and I've continued on. It's so nice to see Will just really jump 100% on board with the show and just like binge through it. Because the last time I checked in with him, he'd watched what, six episodes of season two? Yeah. And then you just gone, yeah, I... I finished it. <laughs> yeah, but it is only a one Did course, so it's only like another six, seven episodes. Um, yeah, just to polish it off. Yeah, so but yeah, there's not many shows that I've done it with. There's this, there's Attack on Titan, and Sword Art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so- yeah, Sword loads, Art of all things. Loads of Sword Art. Um, yeah, I think, oh, Beastars, binge that. Um, oh, yeah. So there's been a few, a few little pieces here and there. I'm sure there's probably one or two more, but not many. Um, so, I think, Sam, we need to just get into talking about what we love about Dr. Stone. Um, and, uh, yeah, should we do it? Let's do it. Let's jump right in. All right, well, so we're talking about the whole season, and it's a two-core season. It's 24 episodes, so there's quite a lot of content to cover. I'm yeah. not going to go in-depth in terms of just telling the story beat for beat. No. We're more going to jump around a bit, talk about the characters and th- the bits that we like the most. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to start off in the vaguest way possible and just talk about what is it about this show mm. that scru- like scratches that itch in your brain, okay. like that gets the little goblin happy. I've got, I've got, a, I think, a really good answer to this for me personally, because I think what, the, what this is to me, I don't know whether the parallel has ever been drawn, but for me, this is like Age of Empires. So... Mm-hmm. Age of Empires, okay. building up civilization, upgrading everything, slowly working your way to like more advanced technology and stuff. It's a game that I yeah. have seen being played, have tried to play it and got very bored very quickly. But I love oh, crap at those type of games. Yeah, but I love the concept. I love I I I I think if I could if I had the patience and stuff, I would really enjoy that sort of strategy, building things up. It's just cool to see how it advances. And this is the anime version of that. It's, you get to see ground zero. Senku mm. wakes up in the stone age, the new stone age, which, new uh, stone, age. stone age two, electric boogaloo. Neolithic era is new stone age. Just so you, just so you know. Neolithic, cause Neo being new, I guess. And yeah, then lithic, lithic being, being stone. Stone? Yeah. Yeah. Mesolithic nice. is the middle stone age and the, what's the last one? Oh, no, forgotten. Paleolithic? Paleolithic, I think, is the old Stone Age. Yeah. Dinosaur Stone Age. No! Paleo. Don't Ross get your Flintstones mixed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No! 
um yeah so anyway um i think it's just yeah the conceptually it's that it feed it feeds that little gremlin that loves to see this rapid progression i don't have to put in any effort i'm not doing any gameplay but i get to see it play out factually uh in air quotes you know the science yeah. is factual to a to, we'll to talk a, a bit about to a large the, degree the realism of the science a bit later but yeah yeah, yeah. um and that, yeah, I really love that. I think it's fascinating to see. Um, it does scratch an itch. Like it genuinely is satisfying to see things come to a conclusion and to see ways that Senku problem solves. And like yeah. the, the contrast often between what he imagines and what he puts on screen and then what he actually puts mm. together. Yes, technically it's a cell phone, but obviously he portrays <laughs> it as this like iPhone. As like this sleek like, iPhone. And then yeah. the reality of, well... We're not at that level yet. We don't yeah, have yeah, superconductors. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the best we've got. We've got like a, a, a chunky walkie-talkie. Yeah, 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 at best. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what about you? What's, what is what is it about the show that um, tickles your fancy? So a bit, I guess my answer's a bit more deep. Um, the thing that well, I I'm really sorry I'm so fucking stone. superficial, Sam. Yeah, well, God <laughs> damn it with your Age of Empires referencing and your backseat gaming. God damn it, Will. <laughs> Go I'll on. play this game how I want to play. Stop getting me to choose Gandhi every time. <laughs> That's civilization. Uh, um, but I really like the way that this portrays science as a thing of beauty and like the pinnacle of what humans can do. Mm-hmm. And it's it, the show, the writing, the presentation all lends itself towards showing science as this wonderful, magical, impressive thing. We get Senku, who has the superpower of being able to store all these textbooks in his brain of every possible form of science, showing for us who live in the modern day, relatively mundane things to these people who have had no concept of technology before. Mm. Seeing a light bulb light up for the first time and the music swelling and Chrome crying and Senku just kind of like watching people being fascinated that is what makes Dr. Stone work so well for me. Mm-hmm. It's seeing the joy that science can bring to people. And I think we often forget that, you know, that's why we live our lives in relative comfort. Now yeah. we have phones. We have, I'm talking to you through a weird rectangle box that lights up and shows me a perfect image of your face. Yeah. Like, We've lost a lot of the awe that science used to inspire, and Dr. Stone does a brilliant job of bringing that back. And it's just, yeah, it's just serotonin-inducing. Yeah. Just seeing somebody discovering light for the first time, or trying ramen for the first time. <laughs> yeah. All these just really simple things. Yeah. That are just, yeah, the bar's, it's the, wonderful. The bar's set to reset to zero, isn't it? And I think you're, you're right. Nowadays nowadays uh in in modern civilization we have just such a high expectation and a high level of comfort that yeah the science isn't as entertaining in in air quotes i think it is but like i'm saying like in Mm. in modern with a modern perspective science doesn't have the same um x factor that like all that technology itself produces like the content that it produces like Kids growing up nowadays want to be the YouTubers. They want to be the footballers. They want to be the people they see 
on the in the media and things like that and yeah it's always been the case people have always wanted to be celebrities and sort of aim high with regards to like fame and success but the the scientist and i'll tell you what i think that's what um tesla and people have uh, have done um recently with um what's his name What's, what's what's tesla boy's name um Musk? Musk, yeah, Elon Musk. Um, I think he's sort of brought to the forefront a little bit. Like, he's a, he's a very Marmite character. Like, a lot of people hate him. Mm. But I think... He's currently oh, just... He's this Twitter deal. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's just done... The, the app is burning. But I think he, you're right. His PR team initially sold him as this Tony Stark-esque. I'm yes. doing this for humanity. Yeah. I'm sending a man to Mars. Yeah. I'm making cars that can drive by themselves. And Branson as well, like, with, with Virgin yeah. and stuff, like the SpaceX and the space Virgin Space Galactic or whatever it's called, the, um, the blue something, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I think I think they, those two have been pioneers in a new wave of interest in science, almost like science fiction becoming reality, which is kind of where like mm. Senku's coming from on a ground zero level. He's yeah. like. At Senku, Senku's core, let's talk about Senku then, because at Senku's core, he is mm-hmm. obsessed with science and that is his thing. Like, it's not necessarily yeah. about benefiting everyone. It's that science needs to be discovered. He needs to do, be doing science. Like, it's just his, an obsession. So, yeah, he uses that and in the best possible he way. acts as, yeah, he acts very aloof when he's doing these experiments and you you see all the maniacal looks yeah, that he gives to people yeah, and exactly like he doesn't talks about the acid like but you know the yakuza use it for burning bodies and stuff he he sees all <laughs> he doesn't see like necessarily positive and negative it's just this is what it can do and then mm. he leaves it up to so to people in society to decide how they will use it how science isn't innately it? It evil it's, it's like yeah and I think the show and Senku do push a lot for inherently science is is a force for good. It's not like some neutral thing. Like by finding things out, you are gaining at the very least knowledge, even if you're failing again and again. And that is net positive. It's what you then do with what you've learned that turns it into a bad bad thing. And it can be abused in an in this way. But, but I Senku's think Senku's choosing. To- uh, yeah, I guess. I guess there is that net positive with the idea of knowledge, but I think it's also, I think he, I think it is pushing neutrality though, because you have, the, there's a, pers- oh, actually, I think this is in season two. It is. Can I reference it? <laughs> sure. Go for it. <laughs> I'm sure no one will mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to reference it then. Um, there's a bit with dynamite when they discover dynamite and they talk about Sir Alfred Nobel who discovered dynamite and there was a lot of debate around whether he did it for um, mining or whether he did it for military use, whether that was like the primary primary purpose as, yeah, as, as a weapon. Um, yeah. And someone asks Senku what he thinks. He's like, I don't care. It's got nothing to do with me. It's just cool, isn't it? To have, to have dynamite and to have this thing. So like it, it very much felt like anything sort of moralistic was pulled out of it for him. Mm. And it was just a case, just the fact of doing science was what he got out of it. And it was, mm. that was his, so posit- he takes a much more yeah neutral stance to it because he's, yes. he's the act of creating for him is what is. Yeah. Okay. Is so positive. going back to your point, Senku's perspective is quite neutral, mm. but, but the show's perspective. Yeah. I think is absolutely trying yeah, the to show's definitely. show the positive use of science and all of that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah. And I do think that Senku, he has these moments where he does 
want to make science appear to be this this fascinating and exciting thing. Yeah. Because one of my favorite moments from the whole first season is that when he sits down with Chrome for the first time and he explains um, what the modern world was like about the airplanes and the light bulbs and the phones and the computers, the video games, everything. Yeah. And we get Chrome's reaction to it. And I think that's a really big motivator for Senku for why he just then keeps Chrome on. Right. And I think a lot of the time he does do these things as a to benefit the village and the people at large. Yeah. But there's always that underlying, but it's actually going to help me for this. Like, like the ramen making, for example. Okay, I'll make them the ramen and that helps everybody because they're now getting more vegetables, more protein, that it's a tasty. <laughs> and then I'll make them work in proportion to how much and they eat. There you go. <laughs> and then, and because there's always a gotcha, there's always a gimme. Yeah. yeah. He, he is very, um, Doctor Huey in that regard, isn't there? Isn't he? Like, I think. Ah. It just, we, we, we talked about Doctor Who recently, um, but he's got that ability to always come out the other side, having planned something previously to get him out of the uh, of the upcoming problem that we no one no one foresaw. Um, which you know it is what it is. He he is as smart as the Doctor in in this show. Like he is he is ten billion amount of smarts above everyone else. So you would billion percent smarter. Yeah, you would expect him to. <laughs> Um, you'd expect him to be able to forward think and um, problem solve mm. like that. Um, so it's not exactly. What did you it's... think of uh, his apprentice then? Chrome. Yeah, love him. Triple over words. Ah, Chrome's great. Absolutely love Chrome. He's he's one of, one of their characters that just really. Whenever I see him on screen, he's just you know you're getting gold. He's so enthusiastic. So, um so willing to just buy into Senku's bullshit that he's just <laughs> he's 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 just such a wholesome character and he does mm. he's not he's, he's not like the most street smart like he's pretty he's pretty he, he plays the fool and the oaf a little bit because he's not very streetwise and he'll sort of say it how it is but like he's got some ability like he's doing like senku's yeah. really impressed with a lot of the stuff he does like he builds the water wheel um in the first season that blows yeah. senku's mind and he um and, and all of the collecting all of the different minerals and everything that he's stored for ages and all the herbs and the plants and started to figure out uses for them and started to like do stuff like that is probably way far advanced than anyone really gives him respect for or the credit yeah, for. definitely thank you even in a monologue in a monologue manages to say that oh it's rudimentary and it's really basic but this is the beginnings of science for this world and then Senku decides to take it upon himself to then supercharge it. Yeah. <laughs> like strap Nos onto the science of the stone world and yeah. launch it into the stratosphere. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about the show and the structure of it, and this was true for the manga as well, is that Chrome is integral to this show carrying on and having the same heart and the same wonder towards science, which we wouldn't have gotten if Taiju had remained as the protagonist like it was originally going to be. So with Taiju oh. starting off as the protag and then them shifting gears into Senku mm. and then having Senku discover the village, we get to regain Chrome as a character. And yeah. I don't think they could have just not had another scientist there or mm. they could have written Chrome as being stupid and like not 
being able to help Senku at all. But he often comes at things from a more streetwise perspective, from a more simple mindset. He's got a new look on the things that Senku does and often inspires Senku to remember something about an obscure piece of science or an obscure way to solve a problem that Senku wouldn't have thought about because he's looking at it from a very modern day outlook. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chrome offers something new. He's not just dead weight. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's I agree, brilliant. yeah. I think my comments on him being streetwise is more about his social interactions. Like he just blurts yeah. out stuff and gets himself into trouble and never backs down and sort of has this, it, he, he has that um, shonen protagonist mentality. If I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Just keep pushing through. I think, I think it's great. And that leads on to another big thing that I think you've just basically brought up there, which is I was surprised and thought it was very brave of them to ditch Taiju and um, Uzuria um, like so early yeah. in the series. Cause like you build up the, they're the main characters. They're, they're, those three yeah. are the main cast. That's who we start with. Like we start with Taiju. We don't start with Senku at the beginning of episode one. We start with Taiju yeah. confessing his love to Uzuria um, or trying to. And that's who we follow. So to then just sideline him was... Yeah, he's just gone. <laughs> like, I I was... At the time, I, I remember watching when they they separated. I was like, I had no idea how long that was going to go on for. But it's the whole Lemon season. And, and part, it's basically a full two core because it doesn't, it doesn't really come back in until partway through season two. So it's... Yep. It, it's just out of the picture. And yeah, I, I just think that's bold to take away two of you. That's like... Harry Potter losing Ron and Hermione for the first five movies. Like, what the... F- <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. It really- it's, it, it's basically unheard of because they started the show kind of going for this idea of, okay, we'll have the shonen protagonist in Taiju, the female side character, and then the aloof male side character. And that's the shonen jump formula. You have your, your three core cast, two blokes and a lass, and then... Off they go to save the world, and Senku will do some sciencey stuff, and Taiju, Taiju's the man that we need to follow. But the show's better for having ditched them, I feel, to then bring him off to the village. And it also, what could end up just being, oh, we've written them out of the show, turns into this element of mystery and tension, because now they're back with Sukasa, they're mm. in his camp, and we know what is capable of. So there's this running tension in the background while Senku's taking weeks and weeks to do stuff of, are they okay? Yeah. And we just don't know because realistically, we wouldn't know because they can't know because they're living in the stone world and they're hundreds of miles away with no way of reaching them or finding anything out until the best character in the show turns up. <laughs> and it's Gen. Gen. Ah, <laughs> oh, Gen. I love him. I hate him. No, I don't, I don't really. I don't really. <laughs> I, I, I hated him at first. I was like, this slimy little bugger. Slimy um, little weasel. Yeah, but he's definitely a grower. He, uh, so yeah, go on. You, you tell me why you love Gen so much then. It, it's the, it is the sliminess of him. It, yeah. He perfectly compliments Senku's use anyone in anything to get what you want. But he dresses it up as like, oh, it's so shiny and it's all good and it's happy and I'm helping you. I really am, truly. Look at the magic I can do. <laughs> and then you get the moments where his stone scar turns into the little mouth when he's yeah. trying to trick somebody. And for the whole of the first season, and when I was reading the manga, 
I could, I didn't trust him because no. he was he was the mentalist and he was play, he was going back to both sides. But then you start to realise that actually maybe he is in this for the long haul. But because there's always that sneaky side to him, you're mm. never you're never a hundred percent sure. Yeah, at all. And all and all he wants is cola. All he That's wants all he is wants. cola. Yeah, and it's just oh, okay. That's so wholesome. Sure. And his his design is brilliant as well. Like the two toned hair and the yeah. the mouth and the per- the flowing purple robe. He's just oh, he's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he is good. I mean, I think you, you really see his colours when he sabotages um, the spear of Kyogo um, oh, Kyogo yeah. at the end of the season because I, I'm pretty sure that's the end of season one, not the beginning of season yeah, two. Yeah, they have the fight on the bridge. Yeah, they do. Yeah. He returns to tell Sukasa that Senku's alive. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a nice moment where it's like it couldn't possibly have been me, and he just goes full drama queen, and then like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, okay, I, I, and that's him. I think that's him quite clearly choosing his side officially because you know Hyogo's mm. Hyogo knows that Yoga. he's done it now. Hyoga Hyogo's know, knows that he's done it now, and it's um, very much okay. Yeah, you're with you're with cool. Senku. That's fine. Um, decide. Get in my way, I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, so talking about the bridge scene, then that leads us on to two more characters, and I haven't actually got their names written down, and I can't remember them, so that's bad of me. Um, tell me who the two guards are. Ginko, no Ginro and Kinro. Oh yeah, <laughs> which are puns on the name for gold and silver in Japanese. And I should have known that. I think I think I did know that because he because Senko comments on it when he gives them the gold sphere. Um, Mm. The gold spearhead, the gold yeah. spear, and the silver spear. Yeah, um, yeah. Those two guys. What do you think of them? I think they're great. I think they're they're yeah. so yeah because they are like um, the two Ronnies. They're like they're chalk and cheese. They're slaps. They're like a slapstick duo um, that sort of complement each other quite well. I from your yeah. face, I can imagine that some people <laughs> find them a bit grating or a bit like over the top. Or uh, I don't know. I I find them. They're fine. They're perfectly serviceable as extra villagers and muscle for Senku. But I find, I think, is it uh, Ginro in particular? He's the, the, the stoic one. No, or maybe the other way around then. Because the, he, he has the, the gold spear and Kinro has the silver spear. Oh, yeah, so that'd be Ginro. So, yeah, Kinro has the silver spear. So Kinro is the one that annoys me because he just reminds me a lot of Zenitsu from Demon Slayer. <laughs> and I'm just All like, right, oh. okay. But it, it's his, it, I guess it's the whiny nature of everything he does. Yeah. And he's always looking out for himself and I, I get that that's how he's written mm. but i just don't find him appealing as a character and ginro i think fine. he does have I like to... okay so so i'm just going to defend kinro a little bit yeah he's whiny okay um but he does have a big moment with the sulfuric acid and he goes off yeah to, 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 to try yeah. and redeem himself and now he's a bit of a wimp and but like not everyone is built the same way, you know, like the, there are some people that yeah, are going to be more confident doing that. And you can see that it shakes him up to do this sort of stuff. And yet he still goes and does it. And I think despite the whininess, he has, he does, he does still care. Like he's, he's clearly mm. wants, he just wants everyone to be safe. He's like a pacifist, isn't he? So he doesn't, he's not thinking about mm. the, the battle side of stuff and that sort of stuff. He, he, he doesn't really, he can't really, change his mindset to accept that it's just he's always looking for an out and I yeah. don't know yeah you can call that I, I, I get what you mean um, mm. I liked him earlier on 
because I thought he was a bit more witty and a bit more sarcastic. And then as the series progresses, yeah. he becomes more whiny and becomes more... Yeah. Yeah, like he has his big moment at the sulfuric acid pit, but then I feel that his character doesn't really move on much from mm. that. It It kind of... He doesn't learn from it and internalize it as much. Like he still will stand up and will defend with everybody yeah. else, but it's always with that layer of screamy fear. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, I know that you've got to have characters like that because otherwise, it's not everyone's anime. just a stoic badass and it's not exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's not anime. <laughs> but yeah, I think I liked Ginro when he became the pumpkin-headed warrior. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I like his um, sticking to the rules sort of mentality. Like the rules, the rules are the rules. Um, and I think him as like this is a very traditional sort of warrior. He mm. does things to defend the tribe. He's very proud. Sticks to the rules even in the combat, and then you know won't admit weakness. He's it, I, I think you need that kind of character. There isn't another character like that in the show. It's not like they're duplicating. So I think he definitely has mm. a place. And he is the sort of like the respected com- combatician of the... Combatant? Combatant uh, of the tribe, barring Magma, who's just a... Who's obviously a better com- just combatant. A muscle head. He's a better combatant, <laughs> but just... Yeah, meathead. Actually, he's not a better combatant because he does lose technically, and then win, then cheats in the uh, cheats. Yeah, bastard, yeah. bastard magma. Um, I think the last kind of main character that we that we really see, obviously, magma's there, and there's a, there's the village chief and ruler. Mm. But I think the main one that we should probably talk mm-hmm. about is Kohaku. Yes, I love Kohaku. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. You don't. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think she, she's perfect. I just, when, in a, when you've got Gen and Senku and Chrome in an already stacked cast. Yeah. Like, her coming along and being the, the gorilla woman, the most powerful, sexy person in the entire village with, like, 40, 20 vision or whatever it is, so she can <laughs> see things from a million miles away. I'm like, yep, yeah, she's great. Yeah. And I like her, and she has good jokes. She does have good jokes. She's got good banter. She does have good banter. I like it. And she's not forcibly a romantic partner for Senku. No. Like, it's not presented that way. So I like that she's got her own agency, and that she is basically the most competent member of the village. Yeah. It's like, yes, girl power. And I, I, I like her reactions to Senku all the time. Like, when he's talking about the acid, and she's there, and, and like, when he's, when he's making the um, antibiotics, and she's commenting you're gonna make her drink that you're gonna make her drink that and think and just constantly over overthinking everything and being overprotective i I thought that was fun i thought that was good for her character who's like i don't know she's a warrior but at at the same time she's done everything to sort of help her sister um Mm. uh, running the 10ks or whatever it was to get the hot water every day like yeah she's a devoted sister and again she's a good character i just think that she gets a bit overshadowed by the main three she, boys. The things that I like about her, she she reminds me of Anna from Frozen, and she's just a class character. And I think it depends. I, I listened to, I, I watched some recap videos before this, and I, I listened to some of it in sub. And the sub voice actor, the, the Japanese voice actor, um, 
the little bit that I heard sounded quite soft and meek. Whereas in the dub, I feel like she's more confident and forceful and a bit more. And I think that sort of adds to her character a little bit. So potentially that Definitely has an impact be. on your perspective. Yeah, it's, it certainly could. Be. I don't think I've actually heard her in the, in the dub. Right. I've not heard much of the dub for Dr. Stone at all. Mm. Um, I thought it was good overall. Yeah, just, just if she's of... been given a, yeah, I, I, I've heard that the dub is good because it was produced in house, I think with Crunchyroll. Um, nice. And they like, they put a lot on the back of this show. Um, as as it for it to take off yeah so they've done a really good job at making sure that the dub episodes come out roughly the same time as the sub episodes oh, cool. they're really involved in the production of it all yeah I, I think when we watched the show the first time you said that you'd watched like a behind the scenes on the the characters and the the process of making an episode right yeah so, yeah yeah it's good i'm glad that it's it's a good dub yes we need more <laughs> um Okay, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the inventions and the sort of big beats? I do. Okay. I want to talk about the inventions because you got to love the way that the show presents them. Yeah. Here's a roadmap. Here's what we're going to do. Now watch us do it. Yeah. And they just, that trails off, doesn't it? That that, that doesn't really happen uh, later on in the season. It does does feel like some of the big ones in this season, but then Mm. I don't remember that coming up later on. They circle back around to it a little bit, I Mm. think, because. The um, cell phone requires so much yeah. effort throughout the time. The next big thing they need to make won't happen until season two. Yeah, and even then, because they're trying to keep some of it in season two a secret for the for it to be a surprise for the for the reader and the watcher. Yeah, we don't get as much. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Then. Okay. So, mm. what are our options here? We've got light bulb. We've got ramen. Light bulb. Ramen. We've got the water wheel from Chrome. Yeah. We've got... The cell phone. The cell phone itself. Um, the antibiotics. The glasses. The antibiotics. The glasses, yeah. Uh, a telescope. That wasn't really Senku, but they did make a telescope. Yeah, that was... They did make one. The yeah. record player. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah, the, the phonograph. Phonograph. And... Uh, metal they made Gla- spear glass like so- swords <laughs> magnets magnets like the katana the katana yeah. yeah i love that it's just like <laughs> to pause briefly on the katana i love that they were just like we really want to make a really cool cover page showing the characters like ready to fight what can we do just have senku invent katanas it'll be fine <laughs> and then it's it's like this they show them all in the kimono and they're drawing these flashy swords mm. and it all looks really good. And then reality kicks in. They're, they're just these like basically just lumps of metal that Senku's just sharpened a little bit. And he, he admits that they're crap. Well, no, he doesn't. He says these are re- these are, are perfectly good swords. They're just not technically katana because they haven't been folded 10 times. The metal hasn't been curated in the same way. Um, but he said, but he also says that that doesn't really matter. Like after you've done it twice, it really doesn't have much. The benefit of doing it anymore isn't that great. But that is the it's process minimal, you need right? to go through. For the effort put in. Yeah. Mm. So um, I don't know. I think they look cool, and I think it's cool that he was able to make katanas. I want a katana now. Um, just based on that, I want to make my own katana. I'm going to come to Japan and make we my own katana. A, a forging workshop or something. I'm sure they exist. I'm not sure I'd get it on the plane back either. I'd have to. It'd have to oh, yeah. be stowed away nicely. 
hidden inside your coat. <laughs> yeah. I, and then when the terrorist jacks the plane, you're like, don't worry, I got this. Yeah. So are Japanese samurais allowed to carry their katana on a plane? <laughs> That's a very good question. Just are slow. there any Japanese samurai left, Will? It's another very good question. I don't know. You're the Japan, Japan there is actually a There was a law passed which prohibited anybody from wielding swords towards the end of the 18th century because they were trying to um, consolidate their power and samurais, because they were lords and could have their swords and use them as a symbol of power, um, they could rebel. So the government cracked down on anybody displaying their katana in public in order to quell dissent amongst the, the masses. Wow. That's that's fascinating. Also, So I imagine ha- it applies to planes as well. I would question how effective they would be as well. Though. I mean, what, technically they... Yeah, I mean, especially towards the end of the 18th century when you've got, like, cannons and guns and... Well, that's it. It was because America had basically knocked on the door of the country with four big black ships with cannons attached to them and said, hey, you've got coal and we want that, so you'd better open up and trade coal with us or we're going to bomb you from sea. And Japan went, ah, um, can we get a better deal? No. Okay. (laughs) Hello, America. Oh, you want us to to do a democracy, do you? Oh, um... Better take the shiny swords away from the lords. Take the swords away so they don't start stabbing the Americans who are now here. (laughs) The Meiji era of Japan is a fascinating time because the country had been completely locked down, borders completely locked off for hundreds of years prior. And then for them, America to forcefully open them, Japan's only solution was to catch up to industrial Britain. So they just went abroad and stole all the ideas from all of America, from all of Europe, from parts of India and China, brought it all back and said, okay, here's our 10-year plan. We're going to become like Britain and we're going to industrialize the fuck out of Why wouldn't you want to become like Britain with its cold winters and horrible (laughs) climate? But they had steam trains. We Mm. did have steam trains. Speaking of steam trains, oh no, that's next season. Never mind. That is next season. Yeah. Um, A nice hint. So yeah, what was your favourite invention from this, um, from this season? Just side note, if anyone wants to hear more about the uh, revolution of Japan, you can listen to our other <laughs> podcast where we talked about... <laughs> did we put we that on here? We the Meiji era. I think... Yeah, I we, think we did. did. We did, yeah. Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, it. Because it was uh, our, our in-person one. Yeah, in-person episode. Yeah, listen to our in-person episode where J- Sam talks about Japan because that comes up again. Um, okay, so my favourite <laughs> invention... Uh, I tell you what, let's let's kill two birds with one stone because not necessarily my favorite invention, but definitely my favorite most imp- the most impressive arc for me was the sulfuric acid part where they went and collected that yeah. and the the um personification of the sulfuric acid as this like oh, sea yeah. demon, this like siren that like lures yeah. people in. Like beautiful, really bizarre. Very, very, yeah, so I, I I'm skull. yeah, I'm assuming it was almost like a, a hallucinogenic, like the fumes were already affecting potentially. Like that's where that was coming from. Because there's no it could possibly scientific be. reason why sulfuric acid vapor would make someone want to go into it the way it does. The, I think the way they they describe it is that you they go into it because they don't realize. Yeah, but it's 
but Kinro especially is very much allured by it and is sort of like being dragged towards it. Like it's, Maybe. it feels very siren-esque. I think, yeah. I think it, it speaks into the show's um, way of artistic showing lessons. off. Yeah. Basically the metaphors that the show chooses to use for certain aspects mm. of um, Senku's science explanations. They do it a few more times with other concepts mm. to kind of like, I don't want to spoil any of the ones that are coming up, but they, they do this a lot when it's something that you can't really see and can't make exciting because the author of the manga, um, Boichi is an insanely talented artist. Yeah. So he would just flex whenever it was something complicated to show. He'd just go, okay, super sexy woman. Now she's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a cloud. Now it's a dragon. And you're like, what did they just fight that woman? Yeah. No, but it gets the point across in a in a nice way. Yeah, okay. But I, I thought it was, whatever take you want on it, I think it was very dramatic and it was very impressive. Like I was hooked during that scene because it did make it seem just so potent and so deadly. And like you saw, like Senku told the story of the um, archaeologist or scientist, whoever was going and sort of died doing up his shoelaces. And then we see later... Mm the effect of it on some of uh, Sukasa's men. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. It's uh, who just die. <laughs> and it's like Senku's, <laughs> Senku's very much like um, not phased by it at all. It's, it's surprisingly cool about it. It's like, hey, don't go in there. Don't go, don't come down from that tree because uh, yeah, you'll be stuck and you'll die. Uh, I'm going to go now. And then, <laughs> and then they proceed to climb down and die um, to know. Well, sympathy after Hyoga kicks a couple of them down. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but there was no there was no attempt to help him. <laughs> and Senku's no. Senku's literally like, how long is it going to last for? I don't know. Maybe five minutes. Maybe five hours. If just have to see, I guess. <laughs> I guess we just have to wing it. <laughs> see how long you can hold on, and that's how long you'll be up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a bit brutal, and that's the most shocking death i guess because death isn't really a thing in dr stone no as a as a story and then three people just get killed by f- vapor fumes yeah so it does really cement sulfuric acid as being this really dangerous thing that you shouldn't mess around with yeah which is probably good good advice it's um pretty bad stuff um <laughs> yeah so uh what about you then what's your favorite invention I think the path to the cell phone is very interesting and also that they're trying to do it against the clock because they have Hyogu in running interference, basically. I mean, they, they can't do it. It's, it's a very nice arc. Mm. But I think just in terms of something that speaks to to me and my stomach is I really <laughs> like the ramen. The ramen, yeah. I, just I knew you would. The, the figuring out of the turning, using the foxtail to create a wheat substitute and then creating it and again just seeing everybody's reaction to hey something that hasn't just been roasted over a fire or plucked from the ground this is actually really good because cooking will is science yeah cooking is science i think that's another thing the show does great is like explaining how everything is science the clothing we wear is science because they've worked out how to manufacture it and you know anything and everything medicine whatever um Te- like building structures is all to do with science and things. So, um, you know, you can be a bit liberal with your interpretation of science, but 
at the end of the day, inventing things, discovering things is all branches of science in some regards. So I think that's, that's oh. great. I think the Raman's cool. I think the way they learn to freeze dry the Raman is awesome as well. Like, yes. then they're, they're making space food and they get this flashback to, uh, Senku with his dad, uh, freeze drying the, their Raman and stuff so that he can have it in space. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah. So, um, there was one other thing. Oh, the cotton candy machine. The cotton candy machine's cool. Oh yeah, for the for the gymnast girl. Gymnast girl? Oh, they do the, they do give it for the, the that's that's not why they do it though. That's like a they do give it No, they make it they make to, it what was it? The they was it was the spinning that they needed, right? They needed the spinning to make gold threads. So for for the wire. That's it. Um yeah. But then they just suspend ages making cotton candy and just everyone melting at the uh, at just trying <laughs> sugar and taste. cotton candy for the first time, which it's great. And it's just got an entire new generation of humans addicted to sugar. Yeah, I was thinking that. And, and I guess there is that undertone with all of these things. Like we know where society has gone. And Senku's mm. so resolute that he wants to restore everything. And a part of me, and this, this brings us on to another big theme, I think, which is Sukasa and his motivations. Um, mm, to keep the world pure. To keep the world pure. I think... I do sometimes have that little bit of doubt in my stomach that Senki's just going in to revitalize everyone. And there are some big, bigger issues than that. And, you know, we know that society has its, uh, what's the word? Like flaws. Flaws. Yeah. There you go. Has its flaws. And potentially there are ways that we can, um, continue with Senku's goals, but tailor it to avoid the same mistakes the same mistakes as of the past um yeah but senku's attitude does just feel very full steam ahead i'm just gonna get there as quick as possible he's very cavalier in and very trusting in his grand scheme he just wants to bring his goal is to bring everyone back yeah and that is incredibly naive for one because sukasa in a lot of ways is right Mm -hmm. he's correct that everybody is going to like if you bring back a corrupt politician they're still going to want to be a corrupt politician you bring back a convicted criminal they've still got that same mindset and the the people who are being revived it's they're coming back exactly as they were they've not had any life-changing experiences that if they're brought back into a world that is exactly like the old one why would the old world change? Senku has such a good opportunity here to make a better world, a mm. more sustainable world, a greener world, everything, a more peaceful world. And this is what the show, that's why Sukasa is such a compelling villain, because he has a point. You can see his, <laughs> he's got a point. You can see his motivations and you think, actually, maybe he's right. Okay. Like, so what do we do here then? So we're in this situation. What do we do? Like, what do you do? Because it's it's such a cool thought experiment to think about because everyone deserves the right to live. And all of these people, we have the power to bring them back. So moralistically, like, but, but then, but then where do your morals lie? Do they lie with the survival of the planet and the human race and the human species or with the individual long term with it? Like, it's so hard. Um, yeah, absolutely. And we can't bring, I think, I think regardless, we can't bring them all back at once, like Sukasa says, because the planet isn't set up to sustain 7 billion lives. Yep. The argument about bringing back the young 
is flawed at the very least because you can't distinguish good and bad. However, the young are more adaptable than the old. So like those that are in high school and those that they will, as we've seen with the, the people that have been revived so far, they're more willing to accept this new world and more like forward thinking because they've, when, yeah, because you bring back older people and like you say, they're going to want to continue doing what they did before. They're set in their ways. They might not be, that mm. the, the change in the shock might be too much for them to adapt to potentially. So there is some leeway there. There's some argument to support that a little bit. Yeah. I think as well, those who are coming back, you're going to have a huge subset of people who, like you said, aren't going to be flexible to the new world and will just find, because we've become so reliant on technology and, and daily conveniences yeah that to come back into a world where it is going to be hard work is just going to be too much for some people and they're not going to be able to function and then they're, they're just going to be a drain on resources so do you yeah. build the world up to be able to support everybody with that mindset going in and then just drip feed them back or do you I don't, I... Do you do you create a world where there are roles ready to be filled? I think you have to, right? So like manual labor to... stuff, things that people can do, whether it's crunching numbers and stuff, you can find positions for people so that when you bring people back, there are there's an abundance of roles and jobs. Because that's another thing with the society. Yes, it's not set up, but that means you have so much to set up that bringing when you bring someone back you, there is more than enough jobs to be able to find for them to do you can never produce you can never have too much frozen food because it will last and it will provide and it will when the winter comes mm. you'll have have it there so like the law you could potentially have a whole range and Senki would be able to think of all the different pos- positions that you could potentially need in the next 10 years and then account for them when you bring people back and you'll find a role for people That's to fit in. Another aspect of the, the experiment is time. It, it Like if Senku grows old or dies in an accident or anything like that, hmm. then Tsukasa, Tsukasa's ideals basically will win by default. Because if Senku goes... I, I know he's semi-passed the to- torch to Chrome, but then... And others in the kingdom of science but the revival plan is then going to take hundreds of generations longer because they don't have the cheat code that is yeah. senku yeah so then sukasa kind of gets his way anyway because the the nah, world will nah, but if you're reviving people mm. senku is probably in this universe one of the smartest people in the world but not the only smart person so you bring back some of the scientists mm. to help run that side of things okay but then how would i guess i suppose you've got gen on side and he somehow knows who people are and i guess you could luck out with you've got the reporter as well potentially yeah who would be able to find certain people so i guess there are ways that the story could write around it so yeah mm. i just think that it would be a big stumbling block oh absolutely anyway yeah, yeah. um yeah it's a it's a fascinating idea and yeah i think Either way, there's no clean answer to give. Like, Sukasa's method has downsides, and so does Senku's. Like, what do you do with prisoners? 
<coughs> do you keep them petrified because then they're still they're out of the way and they're not harmful to anybody, but they have just as much of a right to live as anybody else or do they? And then you end up with all these other moral <laughs> quandaries that just pour in and then, yeah. And humans being humans, like we are literally the worst at all times. So, you know, yeah. that eventually you're going to revive somebody who's not on board and will pull some bullshit and potentially cause it to all crash down around the ears again. I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Once, once you start expanding as well, um, there are so many places to hide and so many places that things can go on, you know, under the radar. Like at the minute, the society is small enough that everyone knows what's going on pretty much, you know, although Senku does manage to find some way to like make something on the sly and things like that. But, um, like, but generally as, as society expands, you're going to have people who have more opportunity to be clandestine and underhand and, potentially throw things throw spanners in the works and that that will con- mm. that 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 risk grows every time you expand every time you get more big you you uh re- revive more people so yeah, yeah. kind of scary yeah and it's a fascinating concept and idea that i think is another reason why this show is so compelling because you want to see the solutions to senku's problem and you want to see if Sukasa changes his mind and you want to see the inventions that we get to and and how long they take and what else is out there for them to do once they've solved this conflict and yeah yeah all reasons why dr stone is very very good yeah it is awesome um okay any uh, odds and ends i think we're pretty much that's a nice wet place to end it if you got any other odds and ends you wanted to bring up before we move on and uh close things up Mm, music choice both yeah. in OPs, EDs and the soundtrack in general very very good I don't know what the instrument is that plays <laughs> when uh, like there's a big sciencey moment going on it's kind of, I guess maybe I don't know bagpipes or something or yeah. sort of fiddle but but it's a very distinctive sound yeah. for the soundtrack which makes it sound kind of almost medieval-y yes yeah like, it's the, that kind of vibe like you're in an old tavern playing over the top of this Stone yeah it's, isn't that doesn't that happen at transition as well like it'll just transition and then there's that music that little like jingle yeah. it's like six notes or something and it just kicks in yeah it's nice yeah really good it's really good and yeah the ops and eds are all mostly really good i still stand by that the first ed is one of my favorite anime songs ever nice like with that acoustic guitar coming in and then yeah. the rapper oh just good <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Presentation as well. Very good. The animation's pretty solid. There's not a lot of movement, but everything looks good. So you And the story carries it so that you don't really notice it. Yeah, I think there's not a lot of movement per se, but I think there are a lot of cuts. There are a lot of individual sort of like different settings and different scenes. And I think, yeah, I, I tell you what I do like. I love the chipification of it when when it when it goes to that sort of yeah. the contrast the differences between like the really serious and sometimes really dark and sinister um depictions of the characters like senku and gin who like have those really dark moments and then there's mm-hmm. the really chipified goofy like- versions of those same characters yeah 
Senku cleaning his ears and uh, Gin as well, like looking looking really surprised. And then you got like all three characters just goofing around, and some character on the outside watching them be idiots. And it's just so wholesome. And and again, that goes speaks to the show shows nature. It is there are some weird, weirdly uh, deep moments and weirdly poignant moments, and but it a lot of it is really feel good and really sort of just yeah it's a really positive vibe that just makes you makes you feel good watching it and i think that's what one of the reasons why i kept going so long because it's it is it's just makes you happy it's a feel good anime yeah <laughs> oh. all right brilliant well let's well, leave it there then do we are we doing a slice of life sam i think i've been watching this do you want to do you want yeah. do you want to say what you've been watching? Let's let's, let's, let's jump in. Let's jump into a bit of slice of life. If you okay. um if you want to stick around uh, for, to hear what we've been up to outside of Doctor Stone, please stick around. Otherwise, hit us up on Instagram. Tell us what your favorite invention is from Doctor Stone. Tell us what your favorite episode is. Uh, tell us what, who your favorite character is. Um, Sam, favorite character, go. Thank you again. Senkugen. I, I love that guy. Um, uh, I'm going to go Chrome. I love Chrome. Um, okay. We'll see you next week if you're not hanging around. Ciao. What a bloody good show Dr. Stone is. Oh, and we get the chance to talk all about it. So you've been watching Dr. Stone this week. Mm. Have you been watching or doing anything else? Or has it just been Senku and his bizarre adventure? Um... It's been pretty much Senku from what, what I remember. Uh, yeah, have I watched anything else? I feel like I have, but I can't remember what. You talk about something. What have you been up to? I'll see if I can think of anything. What have I been up to? Um, I've been keeping on with the seasonal anime, as I mentioned at the very, very oh, yeah? beginning. Do it yourself. Um, lovely, cute girls doing cute things uh, anime Brilliant. about DIY, yeah. which has been fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, I picked up this new isekai show called The Eminence in Shadow, because the premise of it, the first episode was unlike anything. I didn't know it was an isekai from the first episode. What's it the called? the very end. And I was like, the eminence in shadow. Right. And it has this really interesting setup and premise that then just gets completely thrown out the window. Nice. For it to okay. become an isekai. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's kind of like a mix of um, that time I got reincarnated as a slime and mm. maybe Code Geass? Okay. And cool. it, the first episode is played so straight, straight down the line, super serious. And then the second episode, it's still taking itself seriously, but lots of really weird shit starts happening. <laughs> and it's really funny. It's like yeah. funny shit, but the characters are all just super stoic. And I'm like, is this a comedy? What are we watching? <laughs> so I had to, I had to go into the Reddit comments and they're like, I'm nice. so glad that my favorite comedy anime is here. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I might have to give that a try. That sounds fun. Um, I um, When I was watching this, I did see um, that time I was reincarnated as a slime uh, on Crunchyroll. I was like, I should give that a go again because I did enjoy that. And that has a lot of similar ideas around like that medieval setting and then like using magic yeah. and things to scale up and level up. Um does and have a bit of that. It will scratch your brain as well because there's a lot of, as the season goes on, um building a society and yeah living and existing in that world overlords a bit like that as well but on a yeah. much more evil scale yeah yeah that's got a, a much more sinister undertones um i have been uh continuing to read one piece so 
Oh, that, fantastic. Yeah. So I haven't... Whereabouts are you at the moment? Off the top of my head, I think I'm on about... Well, I'm not going to just list chapters. That's not how we do it. Where am I in the story? We've got... I, it's all about Nami at the minute and we met yeah. her sister. We, we've heard a bit about her backstory, her deal with the shark guys. Um, Arlong. Yeah, Arlong. Um, it's, it's been really good so far. It's really fun because it's, it's, it, you remember we, when we spoke about it before, I really liked how the characters, there was a part when for, um, Usopp's Island where, they were all in the wrong place and there was just these com- comedic sort mm. of events that meant they were never in the same place. And it happens here where like everyone just keeps missing each other and like going to find someone and then they're going to find someone else. And it's that comedic side of things was really good. Um Yeah, it's, it's going well. I think I've probably got about another 14 chapters to go or something before that wraps up. Um So that'll be, that'll be something I persevere with this week. Ah, lovely. That's yeah. good. I'm glad that you're enjoying that arc. It is a pretty strong one. Uh, I yeah. definitely enjoy it. Um, yeah. Oh, I did finish Cyberpunk. Oh, the game. No, the oh. game. Yes. After Brilliant. about, I think, maybe 60, 70 hours worth of playtime, I got wow. one of the endings. Um, <laughs> How I, many I, are there? I could go back and do more. There's five distinct endings. I have the Ooh. conditions to do all of them, but I put the game down. Uh, because I got the ending, it was a nice end to the, my character's arc and yeah. kind of where they were. So if I feel like it, I might go back and watch the other ones, or just yeah. watch them on YouTube, maybe. So yeah. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no more heroes three, which is mm. a sequel to a no very more heroes niche two franchise, and yeah, and <laughs> a sequel sequel to No More Heroes <laughs> as well, um, which has been fun. I've blasted through that. I'm probably going to finish that this evening, ready for Tuesday. When Sonic Frontiers comes out. Ooh, I don't know what either of those games are, but they sound fun. Yay. Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you all for listening. We will uh, see you next week Thanks, when we don't know what we'll be watching, but uh, I'm sure it'll be lovely. And uh, yes, we'd we love do. to have here's you. A, here's a teaser. Here's a teaser for the for the audio only listeners who get all the way through for our slice of... Slife of life. Of life. God, you're going. doing well here, Sam. Go on, keep going. I'm doing so well. Here's, here's, a, here's a teaser if you made it all the way to the end of Slice of Life, which I don't know if anybody ever does, but here we can test the theory. Uh, it's Pop Team Epic. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of the show? There you go. Yes. Pop That's Team a hell of a Epic. teaser. That's a bit more than a teaser. That's just telling people the show. That's just telling the show. <laughs> I realise, in hindsight, I realise that. I was think, trying to think of a clever way to be like, like yeah <laughs> team amazing or something <laughs> but like, it's like that's it's awful. Uh, anyway anyway great pop tease bye everybody <laughs>